Hello and welcome to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and strategies for coaching the mental game of softball. I'm Melanie Rushing, and I'll be joined shortly by today's guest as she shares how she's fostered a culture of commitment that's led to just a few short of 500 wins. In her 19 years at the helm of the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, she's become the winningest Blue Golds coach. She's a national champion and national powerhouse, receiving multiple Coach of the Year honors. Today, we discuss how she helps her players stay committed and passionate despite setbacks and distractions that we all know happen in softball. If you two are inspired to keep your girls motivated all season long and want some resources to help them deal with the distractions, just head to mentalsweetspot.com to learn more about our quick win resources, mental training toolkit, and team consulting. Now enough from me, let's jump on in. Please welcome D3 softball rock star coach Leslie Huntington. Welcome, coach. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you. Well, first, before we jump into all my questions, uh, tell us a little bit about you, your coaching journey, and a little bit about your team. All right. Well, um, I am currently uh, the head coach at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. I have been here for, this is my 19th year at UW-Eau Claire. Yeah, longevity, right? (laughs) And I uh, previously was at another Division three school, uh, private Division three in Iowa at Simpson College. I was the head athletic trainer there for six years. I was an assistant softball coach for four years and actually an assistant women's basketball coach for one year and taught the entire athletic training curriculum by myself for quite oh some God. time until I got an assistant athletic trainer. But, um, you know, at the time it was like 1995 when I got that job and I was doing all those things at the same time in my first year. And I thought, this is my dream job. And <laughs> in one year, I was like, this is not my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Understand. Yeah. Understand. But uh, yeah, I got my degree in athletic training, actually, at Buena Vista University in Storm Lake, Iowa. So I am a lifelong D3-er. And that journey as an athletic trainer is really kind of what got me to where I am now. So, and also, you know, you talk all the time about, it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. And uh, I played for Hall of Fame coach Marge Willardson at Buena Vista. And she definitely, without a doubt, was one of the people that helped me along my career journey. And so uh, huge props to uh, Marge for being that person to help mentor me, to guide me, to be able to allow me to name drop and get that first position at Simpson. And, um, you know, 25 years later, here I am. Yes. And thank you to Marge because now I get to hang out with you. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about this current team and your culture. And if you could describe it in three words or less, how would you describe them so far, even though season hasn't started yet? Oh boy, three words or less. I am a very talkative person. Three words are very difficult. <laughs> I know it's difficult. I'm telling you. Um, well, this year's team, we have a really good balance of uh, classes. Um, we have, you know, it, it's pretty equally spread out from senior to to freshman. We have a lot of energetic players on our team, uh, very athletic players on our team kids who have come in and really bought into what we're doing. They believe in the things that we do. They work extremely hard and they understand that, you know, everybody has goals to win a national championship every year. And we talk all the time about what is going to separate us 
from all the rest of the teams who have the same goal. What do we need to do differently? And they they love that challenge. They love the fact that, yeah, we understand that our goals are the same as so many other teams, but we have to just do things a little differently or maybe just a little bit better than everybody else if we're going to be the ones that come out standing at the end. So I, I love the way that they've responded to the things that we've challenged them with so far in the fall. And I'm really excited to get started with them uh, with practice here in just a few days. So, but three words or less. Wow. Let's see. Uh, how long do we have to sit here and wait for me to come up those three words? Um, as long as you let's need. Let's see. Three Go. words. I would say, oh, I'm going to have to like use a hyphenated word and then a third word probably. Um, <laughs> there we go. Passionate, energetic, mm-hmm. and committed. Yeah, that's what I was going to suggest based on yeah. what you were yeah. just saying about the team. That's awesome. I love those three words. And committed comes up a lot. I want to kind of dig into that a little bit. What are some ways for your girls, for your team, that they show their commitment? Because you said they're bought in. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Well, team? I think you know one of the memories that pops up with that question is when we were in our fall non-traditional season this year, we had really um, pretty, pretty warm weather for September in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And we were getting close to the end of our fall ball season. And we had one day that was really kind of exceptionally hot and humid. And when I say humid, like, you know, people think you're in Wisconsin, humid. Yeah, it was miserably humid. And just that when you walked outside, you just got this sense of, ugh. And we had practice that day. And it's one of those where you kind of think about, geez, do we have to be concerned about heat illness today? I mean, we got to make sure we have water. We got to have some Gatorade, so on and so forth. Our players just embraced how sweaty and dirty and how hard they worked that day. And at the end of practice, we were wrapping things up and they were all standing around in a semicircle and I'm giving them a few little housekeeping items for the next day or the next practice or whatever. And I'm looking at them all and I'm just kind of scanning around looking at them and they're just filthy, dirty and sweaty. And they all had these big smiles on their faces. And it was just like, yeah, this is the type of grit. This is the type of determination. This is the type of, you know, we coach, we don't care how sweaty and dirty we are. We just played ball for three hours and we had a blast. And, um, so as far as the commitment of, you know, I really don't think they care what it takes. I think they're willing to do it. And, you know, I realize you know, we can't, we can't work with them or even be aware of what they're doing once we get done with fall ball um, until the time we get to work with them again in the winter. But, you know, every once in a while you have a player pop into your office and talk about their weight room sessions and how they're all PRing in the weight room and things like that. And you just can't help but sit back and just be so proud and, and smile so big because you're like, these, these guys are doing this because they love it. These guys are doing this because they see a bigger picture. These guys are doing this because they 
none of them want to let down their teammates and they, they have big goals. And so that's, I, that, that's kind of what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about how committed this team is. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and when you talk about the feeling of humidity, <laughs> we just moved back to Florida years ago. So I get it. For anyone who doesn't understand humidity, my friends back home in Southern California. Yeah, it is. It is. You just is walk outside and you just barely can even. I mean, there's there's like humidity where you walk out and you can't catch your breath. And then there's the extreme cold where you walk outside and you can't they're the same. They're like the same sensation. Yes. And in the same season, most times. But that's that's the point, right? Is like we laugh about it because yeah, in reality, yeah, it is like, what it is. so what, right? Like, is what it is. And now what? So I love that your girls have picked that up because A, it helps us as coaches because we know, well, we got to push through. And B, it helps them because then they are having fun instead of like, moping about right yeah they didn't they didn't dread it at all and the other thing that is a constant battle is uh Mm -hmm. you know when the weather is like that we have we have a lot of gnats and fortunately we've learned how to counter them you know with a combination of vanilla and essential oils and dryer sheets and things like that that can keep the gnats away but you know to go out and practice when it's that hot and humid and have those elements that you have to deal with. But then like to figure out how to not get bitten by gnats is the, is the additional challenge. But um, like I said, we've, we've kind of got a formula for keeping those at bay. So absolutely need, need that formula. <laughs> well, cause that's what all of those things, yeah, the, and gnats, uncont- the weather, and they're all distractions, right? right? Yeah. So we've got to find a way around them. What were some things that you guys have maybe worked on in the past or even just talked about or something that you brought into the culture that helped the girls kind of take well, the reins? Well, we, we spend a lot of time talking about being in the present moment and what that looks like and how to stay there. And if you're drifting away from that, how do you how do you become aware that you're drifting away from it? And then what can you do to counteract that or to deal with that? And Um, You know, a lot of it involves, you know, that deep breath. We see a lot of people when they're performing, they take a deep breath. And that's kind of a clear the mind mechanism that's bring me back into the present moment. Um, We we talk a lot about a focal point, you know, when when something's happening and you're kind of losing that present moment focus. um, How do we how do we bring that back? And part of it is I want to have a focal point. So maybe it's the foul pole, for example, or maybe it's a base or maybe it's a spot in the dugout. Um, But just different things like that, where we just talk about being where your feet are. We say that all the time. And um, it was interesting. I, I had a blast um, interviewing one of my players who had just um, been studying abroad during the fall semester. And one of the things that she talked about uh, during her time that she was abroad was, um, and she actually used the term, and you know, it's one of those where you just kind of sniff a little bit and you go proud coach moment because she she talked about being where her feet were and really enjoying the journey. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I was just, I mean, almost the hair on the back of my neck stands up talking about it because, um, you know, she's she's really she's really starting to understand what that means being in the present moment. So that's 
that's probably one of the main things that we focus on is, you know, you can't do anything about it. I, uh, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll just tell them you got to embrace the suck, you know, um, you, you, you can't do anything about it. So let's, if it's going to suck, let's make it suck as good as we can, you know, and that's that's one of the things I mean because I don't like to be out there in the heat and humidity with the gnats biting me any more than they do but sometimes I'm like you know what it's almost like a rite of passage sometimes you just embrace you know, embrace what sucks and you and you get through it that's so true I think of the little things we went through as a kid yeah, like right. getting your first raspberry I'm not even sure girls get that anymore because <laughs> they don't wear shorts but yeah. that was like a yeah look I got one right, right. <laughs> yeah that's a very good point. Like the, the sucky things are a rite of passage. And I think we don't value them enough. Even sucky things like bad experiences, bad outings, bad seasons. What were some of the the low points uh, in your career in a season uh, on a particular day oh, boy. that helps kind of um, hammer those points home for your girls? You know, I, I think there's just been, there's probably been several examples of that throughout my career. You know, whether you're going through a stretch where you're not playing very well, you're um, maybe losing some games that you don't necessarily think you should be losing, or, you know, we had a, a season a few years ago and, and I've erased it from my mind because I don't really want to remember it all that much. Um but I think we, I think we lost six straight conference games. <laughs> uh, lost three straight doubleheaders, and they were, um, you know, they were games that we definitely thought that we could win. I think they were, if I remember right, at least five, if not all six, were one-run ball games, and so we lose six straight games by one run. And oh. in, and I've, I also remember correctly, I believe we had leads in every single one of those games. So that was a, a time period for me that I really reflect back on. And, and it really, it wasn't that long ago. So it wasn't like I was a young coach and we went through that and I didn't handle it well. I was a pretty experienced coach and I didn't handle it very well. Um, and, and I was, you know, because of how I was handling it, it was putting more pressure on the players and it just did, it just did not result in, in good things. And so what I learned from that obviously is, you know, um, I, because we were in position to win every single one of those games, um, you know, I, I, at that time, I wasn't staying in the present moment. Um, I was thinking about winning the game as opposed to playing this pitch. And had I been more focused on playing the game one pitch at a time, you know, it was one of those where I just, I didn't practice what I preached. And that was a real, um, that was a real humbling moment for me, a, hum a humbling time period for me. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. Because I think that as much as the game is in the control of our players, mm -hmm. I do think that my energy, my body language, um, those types of things definitely had an impact. And, um, and I regret that. And I'm not, I'm not proud of that. And, um, you know, but those are conversations that I'm also not – um, so proud that I can't admit that to my players as well. So when, when they screw up, I want them to own it 
And when I screw up, I want to make sure that I own it because I'm, I'm human too. So, but I think that's, that's one that really sticks out in my mind as far as a stretch where, you know, that series of games could have been a springboard for us, but instead because of uh, the pressure that we put on ourselves and not staying in the moment, um, it really ended up being a, it was, it was, it, it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who doesn't yeah. really understand the D3 season, especially up north, <laughs> it goes by real fast. There are not that many conference games, and it is really compact. So you know how momentum works. <laughs> if you have one or two games in a row, that momentum yeah, it can sure did. through. It sure did. Good or bad the rest of the season. But six in a row feels super heavy in the moment. <laughs> but it even makes sense for the words that you said for this team, passionate, committed, energetic, like that all plays into it. So that is how little things like us as coaches, not managing our emotions can affect the culture of the team, no matter how strong it starts in fall and the beginning of season, it's, it's not bulletproof. <laughs> so what are some things that you've learned now that can help protect against that? we were doing our practices in our non-traditional season. We talked a lot about it because we get to have one day where we play outside competition. And that one day in the fall is like, I mean, you would swear that your players are playing in the national championship game because it is so exciting to actually get to play outside competition in the fall, knowing (laughs) that it is going to be a really long time before you get to play outside competition again, based on being, you know, for us being inside for weeks of practice before we actually get to play a game in the spring. Um, And so we came out in game number one and our energy was off the charts, the excitement, the energy, uh, the, just the way we played the game, um, working hard on the bases, you know, all all those things. It was just incredible energy. I mean, almost to the point where I was just like, guys, I can't even focus here. I need you to tone it down just a little bit, but you never want to take away that enthusiasm. Right. So, um, but by the end of the day, so we get to play three games in a day, 21 innings. And, um, by the end of that day, that energy was very, very different. And because we played back to back to back and, the energy was very, very different. And so one of the things that we talked about at the end of the day was we love the energy at the beginning. And we know that that energy that our team had at the beginning of the day was, was really kind of that that's our, that's our personality as a team. And we've always had teams that have had a lot of energy. Our teams, our teams cheer and do chants. And a lot of people are like, Oh, you guys do all those cheers and everything. And, you know, we don't, we don't want to do those cheer. You know what? I really don't care if that's what helps them stay in the game. If that's what gives us energy, if that's what gives us an edge. Um, and not only that, but you know what? They're division three student athletes and this is supposed to be fun. And if those cheers chance, that type of energy from our dugout is, fun for them. Who am I to take that away from them and tell them that they can't have that fun? So, um, but what we did discuss was how we manage that energy throughout the course of a season, because we want to have that, you know, quote unquote, opening day mentality at the end of the season, the same way it was in our first game. And how do we, how do we keep that energy consistent? So maybe on opening day, we have to bring it down just a notch 
but then that's something that we can sustain throughout the course of a season because we still want it to be as fun. We still want it to be as exciting, all that stuff when we get to the end and hopefully in the NCAA tournament um, as it was on opening day. So um, that's, that's one of the strategies that we talked about in the fall. I love it. Okay. So got energy, managing energy. That's a huge one. How about that passion? I believe it was 2013. We hosted the NCAA national championships here in Eau Claire and we did not play a home game that year on the field where the national championship was held. We had, yeah, we were actually very, very concerned heading into the last couple weeks of the season um, in the NCAA tournament that we might run into snow issues toward the end of May here in Ohio. And so like, seriously, the weather just, the the weather patterns, and that's what I can recall as far as when that happened. Um, And I, and it's, and it's easy to remember too, because we played five of our last six, no, we played five conference doubleheaders in the last six possible days that we could play that season. And, um, you know, fortunately it went really well for us. We were super conditioned um, and we had really great leadership and sure. things like that. And so we were in a position and we, we were very successful and we ended up winning a conference championship. Um, but it, that's the challenge. And especially when you have to be inside so long and you are prepared to play a game tomorrow and then a snowstorm comes in and now we're not playing tomorrow. We're playing three days from now, or we're not playing at home. We're playing on the road or we're playing at a neutral site or we're playing on turf. Um, And again, back to controlling what you can control. Um, We just have to manage it the best that we can and be really, really flexible. But as far as the passion goes um, as coaches, you know, we just have to, we have to try and be more creative with our practices. We have to try to keep practices short um, when the, when our last games of the season get compacted to the last two or three weeks of the season, we, um, we have to be really, really cognizant of how are we practicing when we have, you know, five days in a row of practice because there's no way we're going to play because of the weather. So do we practice at the same volume, at the same intensity, those types of things as we would have had we had games during that week? And that was a lesson that I learned about three seasons ago because we had pitchers toward the end of the season with all kinds of forearm problems. And I never even gave it a thought until the end of the season. And I'm like, why are we so sore? Why are we, why is this happening? And then all of a sudden it, it was like a fastball between my eyes that said, you have not played a game in three weeks. All you've done is practice. And I went, oh my gosh, (laughs) what, why, why did we not think Mm -hmm. about that? And, you know, I'm talking and I'm really being vulnerable right now because there's maybe a lot of softball coaches that go, well, duh, you know. So if we had a game scheduled for a particular day, we're going to use that day just like a game day. So we're going to warm up like a game day. We're going to get game day type reps. And that's going to be it for practice that day instead of, you know, pitch upon pitch upon pitch upon pitch and, and all that stuff. So, um, 
you know, I, I think that just managing your indoor time in our situation and managing um, just being really, really aware of how how are the how are the kids feeling right now? Are they are they acting like they're still excited to come to practice every day, even though we haven't played a game in three weeks? You know, we just have to be really aware. And that's where I rely a lot on our team leaders um, to really kind of get a pulse on on how the team feels. Um, what's the, what's the academic stress on them right now? You know, um, a very, very wise coach said, um, sometimes the best practice you can have is an unscheduled day off. You know, every once in a while you pop one of those at them and they look at you and go, are you kidding me, coach? We don't have to practice today. We don't get to practice oh, yeah. today. You know, <laughs> sorry, I said have to, I meant get to, mm -hmm. we don't get to practice today. And it's like, nope, nope, you you go take care of your schoolwork, do some stretching, get some extra water, you know, take care of yourself, get some extra sleep, and we'll get back at it tomorrow. So um, that's a really, really long answer to that question. But yeah, I, I just think it takes a really deep awareness of, of, you know, the pulse of the team. Yeah, the pulse of the team is really hard in season, in my experience, because you get so zoomed in. If you can have those really great individual relationships with your players where you've become a confident confidant to them, mm, where they know mm -hmm. that they can just pop into your office anytime they want to. It's a really, you know, they understand that, yeah, the buck stops with coach. And sometimes there are going to be days that we're not going to see eye to eye, but I know coach has my back. I know she has my best interest in mind. Um, we've got that good personal relationship um, you know, I think that when, when you show them how much you care about them and them as people, as opposed to just kids who can hit home runs and get strikeouts, um, you know, they, they adopt that, that mentality that they'll go for, through a wall for you. And so I think that's part of helping sustain that passion throughout a season like that. That's huge. And that's really what we're finding more and more is like that, that's the heart of a good coaching relationship, right? Is right. It doesn't matter how much you know about the game. If they don't trust you and trust that you have their best interests at heart, they're not going to learn or improve. So what's the point? <laughs> I will say that that has become the, the most time-consuming part of my job. Um, but I'm, I'm doing it on the front end, too, with recruiting, starting early before they even get on campus, working really hard to build relationships with recruits. And then once they get on campus, continuing to, to nurture those relationships, to build them stronger, to get to know them even more as individuals, um, get to know about their family, ask them questions about themselves. Um, so it, it all begins with that relationship piece. And you just have to invest that time. Um, I don't say sacrifice. I don't say spend. I say invest. You have to invest that time in those relationships because the, it, if you're willing to invest that time in the relationships, you're, it's, a, it's a huge return on your investment. And that's what we all look for, right? And everything is what's my return on my investment. And I think that's where you get the biggest return because you can teach them softball skills. You can give them the, the X's and O's, you can provide them with strategies, you can set them up to be successful when it comes to being between, you know, when you cross the white line. But at the end of the day, when we get a big win, 
I want that team, you know, I, I just have these visions of players that, you know, they're hugging each other, but then they're also embracing the coaching staff because of the relationships that the coaching staff has built with each of them. And it's, it's, it means just as much to them to celebrate huge moments with the coaches as it does to celebrate those huge moments with their teammates. And so that was something that, you know, my, my relationships early on in my career with my players, as I think a lot of coaches will say, were, were very transactional. Um, and I like to think that I've moved in the direction of, of more transformational relationships with my players. And, and I wouldn't change that for anything at this point. So, um, you know, going to their weddings after they graduate, um, getting text messages with pictures of their babies, um, you know, after they have, have a child, those types of things, those are the things that those transformational relationships create. And, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that for anything at this point. So, um, starts with relationships. And once you have that, you've got the, you've got the foundation for anything. That's it for this episode. To keep up with Coach Huntington and the Blue Golds team this year, follow Coach on Twitter at Blue Gold Coach H. That's B L U G O L D Coach H. And catch the team at UWEC Softball. Did you find this episode inspirational? Then we'd truly appreciate if you shared this episode with a friend who also wants committed players. Subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice and give us a five star review. This helps us get the word out about our show, which allows us to bring in more fantastic guests like this so we can all keep leveling up our skills in coaching the mental game and making an even bigger impact on our girls. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to reach out to me at mel at mentalsweetspot.com, shoot me a message on Twitter at Coach Mel Rushing, or join our free Facebook group, Mental Sweet Spot Coaches Club. Thanks again for joining us and have a good one.